0: Hello and welcome to Assurity's Focus on Voluntary Benefits. I'm your host, Matt, and I am excited to welcome Eastbridge Consulting's Ginger Bates back to our show. Ginger is Eastbridge's Director of Research Services, and she first came on the show about a year ago to dive into some of the data she gathered about generational demographics and their insurance buying habits. It's a great episode, so check it out if you haven't already. This time, we're taking a close look at the small case voluntary benefits market. And despite the name, small cases make up a big piece of our industry. We're so glad to have you back, Ginger, and to leverage your expertise to learn more about this vital market. Thanks for joining us, and welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. I appreciate you having me back.
0: Let's start a little bit by talking about the small case voluntary benefits market and the opportunity that it presents uh, both worksite benefit specialists and health brokers uh, looking to work with employers who want to help their employees with uh, rising out-of-pocket costs. Uh, When we talk about the small case market... Who are the employers and employees we are talking about, just to set the stage?
1: Well, to give you some uh, context, um, Eastbridge defines the small case market as employers with under 100 employees. So within that under 100 segment, there are really two different groups. Um, one that that's important for you to, to keep in mind because sometimes they act a little differently. <laughs> um, there's the 10 to 49 employees group and uh, employers uh, with 50 to 99. So I I bring that up because both segments are considered small case, but there are some differences between the two, and I'll try to highlight or make note of those in our discussion as we go along. But just looking at the numbers, um, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, just under uh, 1.2 million businesses in the U.S. employ between 10 and 99 employees. So when we look at the um employer market, we sort of segment out the under 10 uh, group, which is a large group in the U.S., um, mainly because most volunteer carriers don't work with that under 10 market. It's more of a specialty market. So when we look at that, we look at 10 uh, and up, and um, that 1.2 million is representative of that 10 to 99 employees. So that's a huge chunk um, uh, of businesses. And they represent about 91% of the U.S. businesses that employ 10 or more employees. Um, That also equals about 26% of all employees uh, uh, employed, which is about 30 million uh, people. So the vast majority of that 1.2 million, all but about 130,000, is in the 10 to 49 employee size category. So in general, the 10 to 49 and the 50 to 99 employer size category have a lot in common. But the 50 to 99 is often, can often have some medium and large uh, employer uh, traits. So if it makes sense, it sort of straddles the fence between the two. Um, and I'll make note of that. But that gives you a sense for the size and sort of the um, uh, con, you know, content of that small group category uh, for our conversation going forward.
0: That's some really vital context to have as we go forward in terms of understanding this market. And I'm really glad that you broke it out in terms of the uh, small and the small to medium kind of sizes in there. So in terms of the size of this market, not in terms of uh, the number of small employers, but in terms of the potential premium that this market holds, what is the opportunity there and uh, how much uh, potential premium does does this market contain?
1: Well, the short answer is there's a lot a lot of opportunity. Um, The small case market is the most underpenetrated. According to our research, only about 57% of the smallest employers, that 10 to 49 segment, offer um, at least one voluntary product to their employees. The 50 to 99 segment is up to 74%, but it's still lower than uh, those that have 100 employees or more, which is really close to 80% or more are uh, actually I think the hundred to to five hundred under five hundred is uh, a little over seventy eight close to eighty percent and the rest are over eighty percent so you can see that those have are, are underpenetrated um, both those two small market ends so with the large number of employers in those and the fact that more don't already are for, offer voluntary that to me you know is equation for opportunity. Um, And and we know that these employers are open to offering uh, voluntary benefits. They know their employees need help, just like any other employee um, at a large uh, organization or medium-sized organization. And they're open to offering uh, voluntary benefits. So um, in our employer surveys that we've done, we always ask questions um, about the likelihood of making benefit changes. In the past, we've asked um, employers every year or every survey that we've done, what's your likelihood of making benefit changes um, in the next 18 months? In 2020, because we were in the middle uh, of the pandemic, we altered the question a little bit and asked the likelihood of changes, um, making changes specifically related to the pandemic, to see how you know it was uh, affecting benefits decisions. And interesting, we got some interesting results. of those from the 10 to 49 employee category and 47%, so almost half of those in the 50 to 99 employee category said they are likely to either add a new voluntary benefit or move some existing benefit to voluntary, both of which were higher than in the 2018 employer study, um, which we just asked the likelihood of making the changes in the next 18 months. So interesting results. Um, that the pandemic certainly was getting juices flowing in terms of thinking about adding new voluntary benefits or or switching um, existing benefits over to voluntary so that equals opportunity as well um, one thing to think about though the only area that did seem to be impacted by the pandemic a little negatively is the uh, increased number of employers who said they were considering dropping some benefits so that increased um, a good bit across employer size but um, to me, that number also represents opportunity um, in some ways because there's an opportunity there to have a conversation um, with an employer about a voluntary solution to possibly um, mitigate the need to drop any kind of benefit uh, that they might be contemplating. So anyway, that's a long way to answer. Just there's a lot of different pieces to that opportunity. So the market is underpenetrated. They're, they're in the mode um, and, and in the thought process of, of making uh, and open to making benefit changes. Um, so all of that, to me, equals opportunity.
0: Indeed. It sounds like there's a lot of chances to really break into what seems to be a market that's receptive to uh, voluntary benefits and uh, in some cases seems to be actively searching for them. So other than this, this lack of penetration into the small case market, uh, what are some of the differences that we see comparing small employers to uh, larger groups? Uh, do they have any specific needs that they uh, uh, that they're trying to address when they are providing benefits to their employees that we wouldn't see in some of these medium to large size employers?
1: Well, um, you know, there's always some differences. Not, you know, nothing. Uh, we shouldn't approach anything as A one size fits all, but the needs and expectations of small employers are really becoming more and more like those of larger employers, and in our, as you know, based on our research, from enrollment methods to administration uh, or voluntary products offered, the differences between small employers and larger ones are disappearing. They're slowly disappearing, though, and I think that's an important distinction. Um, They're not there yet, and there are some differences, um, but it is, uh, they are. Uh, making their way, um, uh, especially, you know, in technology and things like that, which we'll talk about later, I think. Um, But, you know, the good news is is that this means it's becoming easier from a carrier and broker standpoint to meet their needs with some of the same processes that you use for larger businesses. Um, So just like larger employers, they're trying to meet their employee needs and they want it to be an easy process for them. Um, I don't think that that's a big <laughs> uh, aha, and we all know that. But it's a, a good reminder to ourselves to uh, to know that we need to remember what their motivating goals for offering voluntary are to meet their employees' needs and and to to have it be an easy implementation. So, um, some of the research uh, that that backs this up, for in regardless of employer size, the primary reason for offering voluntary. Um, is employee interest in the products. So from small, medium to large, their main reason for offering is because the employees have uh, expressed interest in having these benefits. Um, In the 10 to 49 size category, they follow that in their top three after employee interest with addressing gaps in their plan or offering more benefits for employees and offering uh, employees uh, the opportunity to buy Higher amounts of coverage. Um, so again, not uh, you know any huge uh, revelation there, but key to know those things so that you know what the conversation is going in and what they're looking for and trying to accomplish. Uh, for the fifty to ninety-nine group, um, employee interest is still number one, but they follow that uh, in the top three with addressing financial well-being of their employees and ease of administration. Um, they also rank a little higher cost savings to the company, uh, reducing 401K withdrawals uh, and replacing benefits the employer used to contribute to. So they had some additional things that that, that came in higher. Um, so, again, those are some of the differences between the two, um, the ease of administration um, being a little bit more important for the, for the 50 to 99 group, um, And the 10 to 49 group, everything that they mentioned is very employee-centric in terms of their reasons for offering.
0: I think it's so, so important uh, to bring up the goals and the rationale of these employers and selecting voluntary benefits and their their reasoning for adopting them. Um, Now, on top of that, uh, to build onto it, what products do these decisions lead them toward? Uh, Are there certain products that smaller employers tend to gravitate toward?
1: Well, um, I can tell you about the top voluntary products that are currently offered by small employers. Um, The top three voluntary products um, are long-term disability, um, AD&D and critical illness for the 10 to 49 category. And long-term disability, accident, and whole life for the fifty to ninety-nine category, but we also ask about non-traditional, you know, uh, products like identity protection, legal, pet insurance, that kind of thing. And identity theft is the most frequently offered among uh, both small employer segments on the non-traditional side, and other non-traditional benefits we ask about, um, you mm-hmm. know, that we hear a lot about these days. Telemedicine, uh, obviously, is one that's been around a while, but uh, took on greater importance during the pandemic, Um, financial wellness programs and tools and purchasing programs. All those types of things are more likely to be offered as the size of the employer grows. So small employers are less likely to currently offer that. But we also ask them, are you interested or, or likely to offer these types of benefits in the next one to two years? And small employers we're just as likely as large employers to be planning to add one or more of these types of non-traditional benefits uh, over the next year or two. So, you know, those, those are the kinds of things that they're currently offering, things that they're interested in um, offering in the future. Um, you know, so you can see that you might think it's sort of more one-dimensional on a small employer side, but it's really not. They're trying, if you go back to why they're offering them to meet those employee needs, they're really uh, looking at all options.
0: Yeah, definitely interesting to see the growth in those non-traditional segments there. Um, But as you mentioned, a huge factor in the benefits that these smaller employers are uh, choosing to offer is what their employees want. Um, So among the actual employees at these companies, are there differences in uh, the attitudes toward voluntary benefits or how they view them uh, compared to uh, larger employers?
1: Not really. Not a lot of difference. I mean, employees have this, really tell us the same things, um, regardless of employer size, uh, of why they purchase. Um, Reasonable cost, not a big surprise, that that's number one. Uh, The product um, helps fill their personal needs. And um, the third is it helps fill gaps in their primary medical coverage that they have. So those are the top three, regardless of employer size. But there are some differences, though, in terms of And and I'm thinking of um, how they learn about voluntary benefits, not just um, why they purchase. Um, When asked about their preferences for learning about their voluntary benefits, more employees in smaller companies. Uh, prefer to speak with someone in person compared to larger employers, and uh, indicate that group meetings with other employees are helpful to them in learning uh, about their employer's benefit offering. So, there you know is more um, interest on the smaller employer side to have um, some of that interaction. Uh, and uh, be able to speak to someone, whether that's in person, which, um, you know, we're lear- relearning how to do that um, in a different way, perhaps, um, or uh, whether that's via a video web chat, those kinds of things, being able to talk to someone uh, versus just doing it on your own.
0: That's, uh, that's, that's really interesting to note there, especially as we just talked to uh, Bonnie Brazil in her last episode, and she indicated that uh, virtual enrollments of all stripes are certainly on the rise as a result of the, the COVID-19 pandemic. So yes. that'll be really interesting to keep in mind the interaction between those those trends as uh, we look at the small case market. Yeah. So in terms of... Uh, What these employees want. Uh, Are there any products that they're searching for and that the employees are are actively in the market for that either aren't offered or are uh, are rising in in the number being offered right now?
1: Well, I mean, we ask a couple different questions in our employee survey. <clears throat> one was, which product categories do you think are most important? What are most important to you? So we asked them to rank that on a scale of one to five, and we had 12 different categories. Uh, they were more general, um, medical, dental, you know, prescription drug, all the uh, life as a whole, not just, you know, um, not broken out into term or whole life, but in disability as a general um, uh, category, also included, accident, you know, critical illness, all those things, but, you know, they not surprisingly rate the highest, those core medical, those core products, excuse me, medical, dental, prescription drug, vision, and life products as the most important, but out of the 12, none of the 12 were rated less than a three in importance, so, you know, their, you know, employees understand and know the importance of all these different types of products, not just, you know, Uh, They know the importance of having a medical coverage, and that obviously comes in first. But accident and disability income uh, were ranked uh, exactly the same uh, in the 10 to 49 uh, employer group um, in terms of importance. So, you know, those are important things to to remember. But looking at it a different way, we also ask um, uh, those who don't currently own a product, on a voluntary basis if they would be interested in purchasing it in the future uh, uh, on a voluntary basis. And um, the folks in the 10 to 49 category are most interested in purchasing critical illness, cancer, long-term care, hospital indemnity, and identity protection. And employees in the 50 to 99 category cite similar interests but favor pet insurance over uh, identity protection. So while most of the core products are deemed most important overall, um, core meaning you know, medical, dental, prescription drug, uh, life, your more traditional uh, group type products, um, you know, employees and smaller uh, size employers express really robust interest in purchasing more traditional voluntary products like accident, critical illness, cancer, hospital indemnity, and the non-traditional products like pet insurance and ID protection to you know, again, help fill those needs that they, uh, fill those gaps that they uh, mentioned, their personal needs, this the very reasons that they gave for purchasing volu- other voluntary products in the first place. So for both small employer size categories, the percentage of employees interested in purchasing almost any product on a voluntary basis is robust, um, especially in the 10 to 49 uh, employer category, which we would expect because it has lower penetration, and it also has the highest um, number of um, uh, employers that offer just one voluntary product uh, to their to their employees. So that's not a surprise that they would be even more interested in buying other products.
0: I think that's just very indicative of uh, what we know, and I'm sure you and our audience know as well, just the importance of insurance protection in so many areas in life. Um, and the demand for it amongst uh, all sorts of consumers, but also in the space there is uh, intense competition, as I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure our audience knows as well, between uh, brokers and carriers uh, when they're they're presenting these offerings to uh, different employers. So, what are some of the top factors that small employers consider when selecting a broker or carrier to go with for their voluntary benefits?
1: Well, I don't have data on selecting brokers, but I do have data on selecting carriers. So um, what I will say is that small employers, interestingly, um, you typically use between two and three carriers for their voluntary benefits, which is the same is the, uh, that's the most common response for all employers uh, is two to three carriers. Now, larger employers maybe have a higher percentage of using more than that, but two to three is sort of the sweet spot. Um. Uh, and em- small employers uh, follow that follow that trend, um, and they choose them really for the same reasons: price and value, ease of administration, and carrier help with enrolling. So, you know that carrier help with enrolling can mean a lot of different things, and we can in- interpret that in a lot of different ways. But uh, um, certainly, technology would be involved in that. Maybe actual you know, help with the enrolling process, um, uh, boots on the ground, so to speak, um, lots of different ways to address that. But other factors in the top five reasons why they choose um, uh, a carrier, for for the smallest employer, the 10 to 49 category, they listed claims integration across all products and claims integration is a really hot topic right now in the industry, and they also um, listed in their top five the availability of tools, calculators, and benefits advice for uh, their employees to be able to make good decisions. Um, The 50 to 99, uh, their top five, um, in addition to the first three that I mentioned, were the reputation of the carrier overall and the availability of self administration. So, um, you know, there are, again, some, some differences there, um, and some commonalities between those two. Um, and, uh, you know, all of those things are important, um, uh, to employers. And, you know, I think the, the key takeaway is again, this is not, uh, something that, uh, our, our audience doesn't already know, but it's important to make things easier and solution oriented for the employer, regardless of their size. Um, so that's easy administration, helping them meet additional employee need benefits, needs and gaps. You know, all those things um, that I think are the reasons they choose carriers uh, because of the solutions they can provide, not just from a product standpoint.
0: Always, um, and I'm really glad there, Ginger, that you you brought up uh, technologies and tools uh, because over the last several years, uh, especially in 2020, uh, Assurity has invested uh, in enhancing our technologies and processes to make that business easier for for brokers and small employer clients and large employer clients alike. Uh, how important are things like enrollment platforms, online quoting systems, online claim submission, and the like to uh, brokers focused on the small case market? I know you mentioned it slightly there, but are you seeing that interest rise?
1: Oh, absolutely. Um, I think you know small employers are are very open to technology to help with a variety of processes. Um, the small employer category it is important to note that the small employer category still has the highest percentage of employees enrolling via paper process so um, but with that said, when asked what their preferred future benefits enrollment processes uh, process would be. All employer size categories, including both of those small um, categories indicate that a self-enrollment process via website or mobile device is the most preferred. So while there's still more people doing using the paper process or, uh, you know, less of a technological process in the smaller uh, employer size group categories, they're migrating there. I go back to my statement earlier, those differences are disappearing. They're slowly disappearing and they're making changes. So, having that as a carrier, those um, uh, technologies available already to help them get there is incredibly important. So, also, you know, if they have a benefits administration uh, system, which Uh, 70% of small employers say, tell us that they do already have a bin admin system in place. Um, They want things to be coordinated with that system as well. And when we ask them about online services um, that are uh, important to them uh, in terms of for them as well as their employees, almost a quarter say that they would not even select a carrier that doesn't offer online administration. So, you know, that that's a little surprising. It's much higher, obviously, for the, the larger um, uh, employers as well. But, um, you know, fewer, about around 5% say that having online administration doesn't matter to them. So they, you know, what that looks like, it may be pieces and parts or just one portion of your online or technological capabilities that they're able to use, but they want something. They're all very uh, much in tune with Um, online and technological, uh, you know, processes and help uh, for their benefits process. Uh, So like larger employers, um, a majority of small employers uh, also say that the capability for employees to view um, specific benefits online, file uh, claims, check the status of claims online, it's all critical to them. We ask them, what are the critical uh, services, and there were hardly any that we listed that weren't Uh, at least 50% of the employers said were critical. Um, About half say that the ability to adjust and pay uh, the group billing online is critical. So I guess the answer to your question is yes. Technologically driven processes are a must for any broker approaching any employer, even the smaller sized employers from now on. So again, with the caveat that you have to meet them where they are, come alongside them and help them get to where they uh, want and need to be.
0: I think that really aligns with what we've seen and heard over these last couple of years. But something that that hasn't really been talked about as uh, these digital uh, processes and online tools have risen in prominence is, uh, to your point, the changing expectations. Now, uh, digital service is, as you said, uh, a must for for many employers and brokers alike. Um, in terms of uh, the growing use of technology and enrollments, uh, are there expectations of brokers and carriers that were there, not just a year or two ago?
1: Well, you know, I think employers, the general trend, as you mentioned, um, they've been moving toward more online enrollment methods for the last few years, but I think the pandemic provided clarity on a lot of things, (laughs) um, and, and certainly pushed all employer sizes to, you know, try to accommodate, um, A a remote workforce uh, and and moved more in that direction of online enrollment methods if they weren't already there Um, but you know when we ask um, employers about plan changes the thing that I mentioned earlier um, uh, to voluntary uh, enrollment plans um, because of the pandemic uh, the smallest employers were the least likely to say that they would make a change because of the pandemic but Um, yeah, that didn't, that doesn't mean that, uh, um, they're not willing there that a lot of them aren't going to make changes because 22% of the 10 to 49 said that they plan to move to an online self-service enrollment and 39% of the 50 to 99 employers said that they were moving to this method. So there, again, it sort of uh, provides, um, uh, evidence to that slowly disappearing part. They're making changes. They're, they're a little less uh, willing to make changes, uh, may not have the resources perhaps. They may not think they have the resources to do that, but they know that they need to make it and are beginning to be willing to make those changes. Um, so it is those differences between those small and, uh, and larger employers in terms of their technological needs are, are disappearing, and I, I think the research um, supports that. Um, so it's definitely um, increasing. It's just a little slower uh, process, you know. And I think that sometimes brokers or, or others still believe that small employers are not interested in using technology. But that nothing that we have done research on says that that's the case. Um, because remember, when we we ask small employers, uh, we ask all employers about what they would prefer. Uh, for their future online enrollment process. And about half of all small employers said they wanted uh, to have an online enrollment process for the future. And many, in fact, made that move in 2020.
0: It's good to see that that playing field leveling a little bit there. And I think it, it makes it easier for brokers who aren't necessarily used to selling small cases to use some of the tools and processes they've developed for, for larger cases to make that transition.
1: Well, I think too, uh, you know, it's, you have to keep in mind, as I said, and and, and the brokers know this because they know their clients, um, that small employers, you know, they wear a lot of hats. Um, They typically have fewer human resources on the benefit side. So, you know, trying to make things run smoothly for them uh, from enrollment through administration um, is key and and technology is typically at the heart of making things run smoothly these days. There's just no getting around it.
0: That is so, so true. (laughs) Um, I think this really brings us to some of the the big questions, especially for our audience, uh, those that are maybe going to help them to to see results. Um, so, when a broker is approaching small cases, uh, how should that approach be different when selling voluntary benefits in this market compared to uh, the large, larger and uh, medium sized cases?
1: Well, as I've, I've stated already, I think it's it's all about making things simple for the employer while allowing them to offer a more robust benefits package for their employees. I know that doesn't sound necessarily profound or or new, but it's nonetheless true. Um, You know, focusing on price or even features and benefits is not, in my opinion, the key to winning their attention. Uh, You know, first, the employer has to feel like it will be simple and easy to implement. And then they can focus on the product specifics, pricing, etc. So sometimes you know, you go in, uh, you know, a larger client may be more focused on the pricing side, um, perhaps, or spreadsheeting products, that type of thing. Um, but really, uh, meeting, uh, these small employers where they are and, and helping them understand what you can do to help them to make it, uh, easy and not another, uh, thing to do on a long list of things to do, uh, with, sh- with a few resources, um, then, that, then that's what you want to try to, to focus on. Um, the key areas that small employers mention, um, and we ask about the biggest administrative pain points uh, that they experience, are important to keep in mind from the, from the get-go. Um, the top three for both of the small employer categories are getting products set up on an enrollment and BIN admin system, 70% of them tell us that they do already have a bin admin system and getting those products set up, helping them do that is is a big uh, pain point for them. Um also uh are listed are billing problems and claims payment problems. So, you know, those things uh are can really bring things to a screeching halt, as I'm sure again our broker audience knows, and having um, uh, the e, the tools and the processes in place to make sure that those things go smoothly um, are, you know, to me, the keys uh, to success uh, for the small employer group market.
0: And a lot of those factors that you mentioned are, uh, at least in some way, influenced by the carrier that is being offered as well. Absolutely. Are there concerns that you've seen the brokers have or that they should have when uh, choosing a carrier for small case groups?
1: Well, I think um, a lot of brokers uh, who focus on the small case market often sell, you know, medical and employer funded products to those clients as well. So their biggest fear, I think, is you know when first introducing voluntary to a client, is that there will be an issue uh, with the voluntary that will jeopardize their other business. So brokers, you know, have to pick carriers that will k- help keep them. Uh, keep things simple and relatively problem free for their clients. So, you know, not surprisingly, when brokers are asked about the most important carrier selection criteria, they rank administration and service as the most important, along with product features and benefits. Um, you know, benefit brokers uh, place a higher emphasis on price. Benefit brokers are the ones that uh, that we categorize as those folks that. Uh, uh, or your more traditional benefit brokers versus voluntary, um, worksite, uh, brokers, um, but they place a higher emphasis on price, but both um, say that integration with enrollment and admin needs of the client are really, really important to them. So it does, you know, it all sounds familiar. The employers want those same things and the broker responses reflect those employer needs and requests. (laughs) So um, I think that kind of speaks for itself, Um, making sure that the carrier has those uh, tools in place. And uh, as you mentioned, Surety has, has invested in a lot of those technological um, processes and tools to have available um, and making sure that those go smoothly and are implemented is very important uh, to the broker so that they don't um, jeopardize any other business that they have uh, you know, in place at the employer.
0: That makes a lot of sense and uh, I think you've given us and our audience a lot to think about. Um, is there anything more that you'd like to add about the small case market, Ginger, before we wrap up today?
1: No, just to reiterate that, um, you know, there are, while there are differences, um, there, you know, the, the differences are, are going away um, between the small and the larger uh, groups Especially because, you know, one of the main reasons is that technological platforms and admin firms are really pushing down market, you know, and really, and really had some high penetration and continue to focus on that small employer market as well. So they're catching up and uh, brokers and carriers have to do the same to be able to, to meet them uh, where they are.
0: I think that's that's great advice. Well, Ginger, I would like to thank you once again for taking the time to show up today and uh, give, us, give us your advice and uh, insights on the small case voluntary benefits market. I think uh, our audience is really going to get a lot from that. So uh, thank you very much. We really appreciate it.
1: I hope it was helpful. And thanks for having me again. Enjoyed being with you.
0: Of course. And uh, to our listeners, uh, thanks for tuning in to Assurity's Focus on Voluntary Benefits. If you'd like to learn more about Assurity and our voluntary products, you can visit assurity.com. You can also email us at podcasts at and we'll be happy to connect you with the sales team in your region. If you'd like to learn more about Eastbridge Consulting and their research, uh, you can visit them at eastbridge.com. Thanks for listening. Assurity is a marketing name for the mutual holding company Assurity Group Incorporated and its subsidiaries. Those subsidiaries include, but are not limited to, Assurity Life Insurance Company and Assurity Life Insurance Company of New York.